Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I want to thank you for listening again. We have on this site over 3,400 audios featuring great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea and other lands, Bible studies. You can now go to Google Play Store and the Apple Store and download the Church One app for sermon audio. You can enter Hackberry House as your choice of broadcasters. My books are on Amazon.com, and you can contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. I'm reading today from a book entitled The Christian in Complete Armor by William Gurnall. This is the second volume. For those who may not know William Gurnall, he was an English Bible scholar and pastor, died in 1679. The last time we were answering the question, how to have hearts inflamed with love for truth. And we said that you could make your heart conform to truth. You could let your heart be continually filled with the love of God. And today, the third one, meditate often on the excellency of truth. The eye is the window where love enters. And a spiritual eye, which can see truth in her native beauty, cannot help but love her. This was the way David's heart was ravished with the love of the word of truth. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day, Psalm 119, 97. And how he found a great difference between meditating on the truths of God's word and the best the world could offer. He said, I have seen an end of all perfection, there in verse 96. In just a few thoughts, he could see all the way to the bottom of the world's glory. But when he took up God's truth, his thoughts went on and on in admiration and sweet meditation. He said, thy commandment is exceeding broad. Great ships cannot sail in narrow rivers and shallow waters. Neither can minds full of heavenly knowledge of God find room to move about freely in the world's philosophies. A gracious soul soon runs aground upon these flats, but let it launch out into the meditation of God, his word, and the mysterious truths of the gospel, and he finds a place of broad waters, an ocean to lose himself in. Let me now direct your meditation to a few lovely properties which you shall find in exploring these truths. First A, truth is pure. It is not only pure, but makes the soul that embraces it pure and holy. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, said Jesus. It is the pure water which God uses to wash souls clean. In Ezekiel, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols, will I cleanse you. B, truth is sure. Truth has a firm bottom. We can lay the whole weight of our souls upon it and know it will not break. Cleave to truth and it will cleave to you. It will go with you to prison and anywhere else you must go for her sake. Not one thing, said Joshua, hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Whatever truth promises, count it as money in your pocket. Four score years 
Polycarp said, I have served God and found him a good master. When men forsake truth to advance themselves, they are asking for disappointment. They are flattered away from truth by empty promises and fare no better than Judas after he betrayed his master into the hands of the Jews. See, truth is free, and the man who cleaves to it is free. The truth shall make you free, John 8.32. But Christ bluntly told the Jews why they were in bondage. You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. All sinners are slaves to Satan. The man who has lust living on him like a parasite finds no rest as he serves and provides for it every day. But if all the devil's lusts bolted a single sinner to his dungeon floor and the truth of Christ opened his heart, you would soon see the foundations of the prison shaken, its doors thrown open, and the chains falling off. Truth will not be bound, and neither will it stay in a soul that is tied up in sin. Therefore, once truth and the soul agree, Christ and the soul, the person can lift up his head and know that his redemption and delivery from spiritual slavery draw near. The key is already in the lock to let him out. It is impossible for us to know truth as it is in Jesus and remain strangers to the freedom that comes with it. D. Truth is victorious. Truth will prevail over everything. It is the great counsel of God, and although many plots are constantly generating energy against it, this counsel of the Lord stands. Sometimes the enemies of truth take the militia of this lower world into their own hands, and truth seems to fall to the ground, and often those who bear witness to its goodness are slain. But persecutors need not buy marble to record their victories in. Dust will be good enough, for they will not last that long. Three days and a half, the witnesses may lie dead in the streets, and truth sits by them. But after a short time, they are up walking again, and truth is triumphing along with them. If persecutors could kill the successors of their victims... Their work might not be so temporary. They would not have to fear another man's pulling down what they set up. Yet, even then, their work would lie open to heaven and could be as easily frustrated as Babel. You might receive news that truth is sick, but never that it is dead. It is error that is short-lived. A lying tongue is but for a moment, Proverbs twelve nineteen. yet truth's age runs parallel with God's eternity. Truth lives to reign in peace with those who are now willing to suffer for it. Christian, do you not want to be one of those victors who shall ride beside Christ's triumphant chariot into the heavenly city and take a crown with the faithful saints who stood in the militant days when Christ and his truth battled Satan here on earth? With your thoughts, Wipe away the tears and blood which now cover the face of suffering truth and present it to your eyes as it will look in glory. The next point, let let me review those points again so you know where we're at. We were asking the question, how do you you have your heart inflamed 
with love for truth. Well, first, make your heart conform to truth. Second, let your heart be continually filled with the love of God. And then the point we just read, meditate often on the excellency of truth. And now, let your heart be filled with the fear of God's wrath against apostasy. When you have accidentally burned your finger, you hold it next to the fireplace. And the greater fire draws out the pain of the smaller one. Thus, if your mind is seared and your heart scorched with the fire of man's wrath, hold them a while against hellfire, which God has prepared for the fearful who run from truth's standard. Pardon me, O emperor, if I obey not thy command. Thou threatenest a prison, but God a hell, said a defiant martyr who did not fear what man could do to him. And David himself did not fear those who persecuted him without a reason. Psalm 119, 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Man's fury, even at its zenith, is but a temperate climate compared to the wrath of the living God. Man's anger has never been able to slow down or stop the love of God and has made saints sing in the fire in spite of their enemies' fuel. But the man under God's wrath is like one shut up in a closed oven, with no crack open to let any of the heat out or any refreshing air in to save him. Next topic, what is meant by truth of heart. Scripture says, Let us draw near with a true heart. That is, with a sincere heart. True heart and sincere heart are often joined, one explaining the other. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Joshua 24.14 In the New Testament, we read of the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 1 Corinthians 5.8 The opposite of sincerity is hypocrisy, a lie with an attractive cover. An insincere heart is a divided heart like a clock whose wheels inside do not coincide with the hands on the face, the inner workings of the heart do not match the behavior of the outer man. Another topic, why truth of heart is compared to a girdle or something that we wear around the waist. Sincerity or truth of heart can be compared to a girdle in the light of the dual purpose of a soldier's belt. Number one is to cover the joints of armor. Here at the loins, the pieces of armor which defend the lower parts of the body are connected to the upper ones. And because it is impossible for these to be perfectly knit together, there will be some gaping open between the pieces. And thus a broad girdle is used to cover all the unattractiveness. Sincerity does the same work for the Christian. The saint's graces are, are not so uniform, nor his life so perfect, that there are not defects and weaknesses in his warfare. But sincerity covers them all, so they cannot expose him to shame or leave him vulnerable to danger. And the second thing is to provide strength. The more closely the belt is drawn to the body, the more the loins are strengthened. Thus, when God proposed to weaken a people, he used this expression, I will loose the loins 
of kings, Isaiah 45.1. Sincerity is the strength of every grace. The more hypocrisy in our graces, the weaker they are. It is sincere faith which is the strong faith, sincere love which is the mighty love. But hypocrisy is to grace as the worm is to the oak or as rust is to iron. It weakens because it corrupts. I'm going to stop right there because of the way things are divided in this uh, book. I don't want to start another section because it would be so long. So next time we'll cover a section that says sincerity covers the Christian's uncomeliness. Sincerity covers the Christian's uncomeliness. We're talking about sincerity here. If you haven't figured that one out yet, sincerity. Thank you so much again for being here. I do hope that you will keep coming back to hear the wonderful words of wisdom from William Gurnall. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, we'll get to talk again real soon. Bye-bye.